0: Chapter 13, Part 1 of Triumphant Democracy by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Triumphant Democracy by Andrew Carnegie. Chapter 13, Part 1. Railways. And waterways. And you will then, when the colonies achieve independence, see how the earth will be beautified. What culture! What new arts and new sciences! What safety for commerce! Navigation will precipitate all the peoples toward each other. A day will come when we will go into a populous and regulated city of California as one goes in the stagecoach of Moe marquis d'argenson seventeen forty five the inhabitants of the tight little island of britain or of the miniature states of europe can have no conception of distance as understood by the american the vastness of the american continent gives a corresponding width to the conceptions of space formed by its inhabitants the state of new york is almost as large as england while texas is larger than france or england and germany combined california has a greater area than austria and some other states and territories not only by name in england like nevada colorado oregon and nebraska have areas greater than several european kingdoms the distance from new york to chicago exceeds that from london to rome while san francisco is farther from the atlantic coast than quebec is from london the journey from philadelphia to new orleans is nearly twice as great as that from london to st petersburg while jerusalem cairo cyprus constantinople Astrakhan, and Tenerife are all nearer to hyde park corner then salt lake city is to boston and salt lake city is only two-thirds of the way across the continent during the civil war the frontier defended by general grant exceeded in length a line drawn from london across the Channel and continent to constantinople thence through asia minor and palestine to the great pyramid at cairo and then still on up the nile as far as the first cataract and this line if drawn would be many miles shorter than the journey from new york to the city of portland oregon these comparisons will help the british reader to conceptions which are as familiar to the american as the star-spangled emblem of his nationality it will also help the european to form a slight estimate of the labor and cost by which there has been spread over this vast continent a network of railways which ramify it in every part one hundred years ago america was almost as much a dark continent as africa is now a few adventurous pioneers and explorers had forced their way to the father of waters and descended by it to the gulf of mexico but a transcontinental journey was unthought of until eighteen o three when at the recommendation of president jefferson an exploring expedition was sent to the pacific under command of captain william clark and meriwether lewis it was considered a wonderful feat when the little party under their charge penetrated the wilderness across the mountains and down the westward slope to the mouth of the columbia river on the pacific two years and four months being required for the journey and return even in eighteen thirty there were no facilities for internal travel the states along the coast had constructed rough turnpike roads and railways were just introduced but the heart of the continent was practically closed to all but the most adventurous two-thirds of all the mails were carried in lumbering stage-coaches with bodies hung upon leather straps that they might swing freely in any direction without being knocked to pieces as they struggled over the corduroy roads a trip in one of these vehicles tossed the traveler as if he were in a fishing smack upon the channel in a storm the other third was carried upon the backs of horses and in sulkies steamboats were carriers over only a few small short routes and there were only twenty-three miles of railway laid in all the land all this was as late as eighteen thirty just over 50 years ago. The discomforts of stagecoach traveling in America cannot even be guessed at in these days of palace cars and 40-miles-per-hour express trains. The books of early visitors are full of invective and complaints at the horrors of an American stage. The Norwegian Arfetson wrote in 1832, a traveler intending to proceed thence from augusta south carolina by land to new orleans is earnestly recommended to bid adieu to all comforts on leaving augusta and make the necessary preparations for a hard and rough campaign if he has a wife and children unprovided for and to whom he has not the means of leaving a suitable legacy let him by all means be careful to insure his life to the highest amount the office will take for the chances of his perishing on the journey are ten to one calculated according to the following table of casualties one by horses running away two by drowning three by murder four by explosion miss martineau in eighteen thirty four to five thus describes her experiences the mail roads are still extremely bad i found in traveling through the carolinas and georgia that the drivers consider themselves entitled to get on by any means they can devise that nobody helps and nobody hinders them it was constantly happening that the stage came to a stop on the brink of a wide and a deep puddle extending all across the road the driver helped himself without scruple to as many rails of the nearest fence as might serve to fill up the bottom of the hole or break our descent into it on inquiry i found it was not probable that either fence or road would be mended till both had gone to absolute destruction the traffic on these roads is so small that the stranger feels himself almost lost in the wilderness in the course of several days journey we saw with the exception of the wagons of a few encampments only one vehicle besides our own it was a stage returning from charleston our meeting in the forest was like the meeting of ships at sea we asked the passengers from the south of news from charleston and europe and they questioned us about the state of politics at washington the eager vociferation of drivers and passengers was like such as is unusual out of exile we were desired to give up all thoughts of going by the eastern road to charleston the road might be called impassable and there was nothing to eat by the way even as late as eighteen fifty sir charles lyell says after comparing the risks it seems to be more dangerous to travel by land in a new country than by river steamers and some who have survived repeated journeyings in stage-coaches show us many scars the judge who escorted my wife to natchez informed her that he had been upset no less than thirteen times to the inconvenience of stage travelling described in these extracts must be added that of being jolted over corduroy roads made of logs placed longitudinally across the road with nothing to fill up the inequalities of surface on roads where there was no competition the slowness of the stages was very exasperating one writer says we scarcely averaged more than three and a half miles an hour and in urging the drivers even to this speed Had to submit to no little insolence into the bargain. The insolence of drivers is complained of by nearly all the English travellers at this period. Passengers had also to look after their own baggage and to get out into the mud and rain to fasten it to the coach when the jolting had loosened the straps. The Democratic Review for September, eighteen thirty nine, says that in eighteen thirty five the speed of communication achieved by the express mail was deemed almost the acme of mail improvement and as examples it mentions the following from new york to washington one day eight hours from new york to richmond virginia two days thirteen hours from new york to columbia south carolina six days three hours From New York to Milledgeville, Georgia, 7 days, 15 hours. From New York to Mobile, Alabama, 12 days, 12 hours. From New York to New Orleans, 14 days, 0 hours. From New York to Columbus, Ohio, 4 days, 16 hours. From New York to Indianapolis, Indiana, 7 days, 14 hours. From New York to St. Louis, Missouri, 13 days, 10 hours. From New York to Huntsville, Alabama, 11 days, 22 hours. From New Orleans to Montgomery, Alabama, 3 days, 21 hours. From New Orleans to Nashville, Tennessee, 10 days, 0 hours. From New Orleans to Louisville, Kentucky, 13 days, 0 hours from new orleans to cincinnati ohio fourteen days eleven hours from new orleans to columbus ohio sixteen days nine hours from new orleans to Pittsburgh, pennsylvania fifteen days five hours how diverse were the means of travel in those days is well illustrated by a journey from troy to chicago made in eighteen thirty two by mr philo carpenter he took the erie canal to buffalo and thence went by lake steamer to detroit four and a half days was then the usual time for this passage from detroit mr carpenter went by weekly mail-coach to niles and then took passage from niles to the mouth of the st joseph river on a flat-boat thence he was conveyed by two indians in a bark canoe which they improvised as far as the mouth of the calumet where one of the Indians was seized with the colic, and they refused to proceed further. Our traveler then bargained with a settler for the use of a lumber wagon drawn by oxen, and with this he eventually reached Fort Dearborn, as Chicago was then called. The Limited Express now does this journey in twenty-four hours, and the traveler never has to leave his peripatetic hotel after eighteen thirty came the transition period when primitive railways began to compete with canal boats and stagecoaches in the philadelphia public ledger for may twenty second eighteen thirty six appeared the following advertisement headed by a primitive looking engine and cars fare reduced to twelve dollars new express fast packet line from philadelphia to pittsburgh the only line exclusively for passengers via Lancaster and Harrisburg Railroads and Pennsylvania Canals, leaves daily at 6 o'clock a.m. through in three days. For passage, apply to, at the office, 51 Chestnut Street below 3rd Street, John Cameron, agent. And two years later, in the same journal appears the following. fare reduced. and company's packet line to pittsburgh via railroads and canals through in four and a half days upon one of these canal boats i saw arrive in pittsburgh the first locomotive that ever came west of the ohio river the early railroads seemed very rude judged by modern standards passenger cars were small vehicles holding no more than eighteen to twenty-four passengers and not much If any, heavier than the large stage coaches. The iron used for rails was flat bar iron, from half to three fourths of an inch thick, spiked on wooden sleepers which were lightly tied, and on tracks not perfectly graded or heavily ballasted. The locomotives weighed from two to six or seven tons, and drew corresponding loads. Great weight and high speed would have destroyed the tracks. One of the dangers of travel was from snake heads, caused by the loosening of the ends of the thin rails, which, bending up, were caught between the wheels and driven through the bottom of the cars, wounding or impaling anyone who sat over the point of entrance. Instead of grading up or down steep declivities, cars were passed over the incline by counterweights of box cars, loaded with stone which balanced them like window weights and made it easy to pass up one as the other went down. Twenty miles a year were in those days rapid railroad building. The first railway trains were drawn by horses or mules, The locomotives were early introduced from England and duplicated in America. An account of the Mohawk and Hudson Railroad, printed in Williams' Register for 1833, concludes with the words, passengers are carried upon this road in coaches drawn by horses and by the locomotive engines whose powers are not yet conclusively tried and from a passage in the charleston patriot for april eighteen thirty it would appear that other means of propulsion had been tried yesterday afternoon a sail was set on a car on the railroad before a large assembly of persons it went at the rate of twelve to fifteen miles per hour with fifteen persons on board afterwards thirteen persons and three tons of iron were carried at the rate of ten miles per hour considering the haste and the imperfect manner in which the sail was got up the result was highly gratifying but the most curious of propelling machines was one invented by detmold this was an engine run by a horse walking on an endless platform like the early horse ferries. this curious machine carried passengers at the rate of twelve miles an hour observe how the interior of the continent had been thrown open to civilization a santa fe merchant wrote in eighteen thirty on the day of our departure with wagon trains drawn by mules from independence we passed the last human abode upon our route therefore from the borders of missouri to those of new mexico not even an indian settlement greeted our eyes and when wagons instead of pack-mules were first used for internal transportation the extraordinary nature of the change was sufficient to justify the following in Niles' register for may eighth eighteen fifty a party of seventy men with ten wagons was recently fitting out at st louis for an expedition to the rocky mountains what next nearly thirty years later a regular stage line was established by the pikes peak express company between the missouri river and the rocky mountains transportation was effected by wagon trains and ox and mule trains and so perfectly did this line work that a distance of seven hundred miles was made in six days and nights then in the spring of eighteen sixty the owners of the pike's peak stage line established what was known as the pony express which served as a daily fast mail line between the cities of the atlantic and pacific coasts the scheme was a marvel of american enterprise previous to that time over three weeks were required to convey mails by steamer from new york to san francisco this pony express made the distance between the railway terminus on the missouri river and the pacific in eight or nine days brave men and first-class stock were required for indians and highwaymen were often encountered and the relay stations were sometimes burned and the stock run off almost the entire distance of nearly two thousand miles to be traversed was one vast solitude no delays were permitted the mail-bags were kept constantly on the move during these long and lonely trips horses were changed at every station and riders at intervals of from fifty to seventy miles the rapid time made caused the government to send the mails overland from such small beginnings has grown the magnificent railroad system of america when the success of the first road had been proved others quickly sprang into existence And presently all over the inhabited portions of the continent men were digging, grading, blasting, tunneling at a rate which has hardly suffered diminution and has never ceased. The development of the resources of the country by means of these artificial highways has gone on with marvelous rapidity. Finally, the idea of stretching a railway line across the entire continent began to take possession of the public mind as early as eighteen forty six the feasibility of such an undertaking had been discussed in congress and in eighteen forty nine the idea took tangible shape in the form of a bill introduced by senator Benton. in eighteen fifty one surveying parties were sent out to decide upon a route but delays afterwards resulted from differences between the northern and southern states When the war removed this obstacle, acts of Congress were passed providing subsidies in gold and land to the corporations authorized to build the road. Work was commenced in eighteen sixty three, but only in a dilatory way. In eighteen sixty five, the work progressed at a rate unheard of before. The rails were laid at the rate of two and three miles a day, and in one instance, eight miles of track were laid the line was completed and thrown open to traffic throughout its entire length in eighteen sixty nine since then three other transcontinental lines have been constructed and now every part of the great republic is the neighbor of the other part the bostonian does not think of his fellow citizens of new orleans as one thousand six hundred miles away but as distant only forty-odd hours the new yorker does not speak of the thousand miles intervening between him and chicago but only of the twenty-four hours required to get there in one sense space has been annihilated in america and time is now the only measure of men's separation from each other american railways were built under charters for short distances but as population increased These were consolidated and managed as great through lines between termini hundreds of miles apart. In time, these main lines absorbed branch and connecting lines, and now there are several systems, each serving extensive districts. Of these, the most important, the Pennsylvania is a good example. Its network of lines aggregates 5,491 miles with more than a thousand miles of second third and fourth tracks gross earnings in eighteen eighty four were eighty million dollars sixteen million pounds the tonnage was sixty three million tons and the cost of moving perhaps the lowest in the world being about four mills less than a half penny per ton per mile Certainly, no rates for traffic in Europe are so low as the average received by the Pennsylvania Railroad. This line is solidly built, stone ballasted, and in every respect compares favorably with the trunk lines of Europe, if we except numerous road crossings at grade, which would not be tolerated abroad. From its depot opposite New York, four times per day through trains start for the Great West with sleeping-coaches which run through without change to chicago st louis and cincinnati in special cases when desired the traveling party may pass on to san francisco or to new orleans without change a dining or hotel car is attached at proper intervals and every luxury supplied upon these peripatetic demonicos the new york central erie and baltimore and ohio are systems of similar character between the east and west chicago the western metropolis has also its corresponding railway systems some of which are of great magnitude the chicago burlington and quincy has three thousand three hundred and seventy three miles the chicago and northwestern three thousand two hundred and seventy one miles and the chicago milwaukee and st paul the work of that man of aberdeen alexander mitchell no less than four thousand eight hundred and four miles under its sway it is with railways as with manufacturers consolidation into the hands of a few organizations seems the inevitable tendency the saving and efficiency thus effected over the hundred former disjointed petty corporations each with its officers and staffs are so manifestly great that nothing can prevent these consolidations what the outcome of this massing of forces is to be is difficult to foretell but that it is in accordance with economic laws is certain therefore we can proceed without fear we are on sure ground hence the final result must be beneficial if corporations grow to gigantic size and attempt to use their powers like giants Forgetting that they are the creatures and servants of the State, we may safely trust the democracy to deal with them. There is no problem which an educated people cannot and will not solve in the interests of the people when solution is demanded. End of chapter thirteen, Part one: Railways and Waterways.